Welcome to the RV Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate RV parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest owner of RV and mobile home parks in the U.S., Frank Rolfe. Sellers typically ask more than the property is worth. But what do you do when they don't? This is Frank Roth, the RV Park Mastery Podcast. We're going to talk about those rare cases in which the asking price of the RV park is at or lower than the price that you thought would be a great deal. Now, first of all, why would this ever happen? Why would an RV park seller suddenly throw a price out to you that is lower than what the market would bear. And that simply comes from the magic of older moms and pops selling properties where they really don't know the current valuations or they don't really know how to assess the value of what they have. Most RV park owners only sell their property one time. They aren't really that learned in this little niche. So basically, they don't have a wide range of expertise all they know is they kind of sort of heard when an RV park sells, it sells based on some kind of multiple of something. And they often just throw out a number. And while it's typically higher than what things are worth, sometimes it comes in far lower. I'll give you the first example I ever had of this. I was looking at a property and I got, finally got with the seller. I met with him personally one-on-one. -on -one. He hadn't given me a price. He told me he might sell. And then I said, well, do you have a price in mind? To which he said, I would have to get one. And I thought he was going to say one million. And he said, I would have to get $190,000. I was stunned. I thought, wait a minute. This guy's crazy. This is the sweetest deal of all time. But now I don't want to blow it. It's kind of like if you were out fishing and you have this giant catfish that is bought onto your hook. You're now terrified you're going to blow the deal. You're going to pull up too hard on that catfish and it's going to pull loose of the hook. So I didn't know what to do. And you can sometimes find yourself in this predicament. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, you sure don't want to blow it. So here are some thoughts on what you do when the RV park price comes in a lot lower than you expected. The first thing is you never want to suddenly scream, I'll take it because you're going to scare the seller to death. Because if you seem like, oh my gosh, that's stupid low, what is the signal that they receive? They receive a signal that basically says, wait a minute here, I've underpriced it. I've got to get myself out of this transaction. So they might say, yeah, well, of course, that price doesn't include uh, the roads or the uh, the office, right? But they're, they're trying to like then backpedal away. And now they don't even want to talk to you any further. They want to basically go back, reprice it, take it out to market again and leave you out in the cold. So never act excited about the price. That is literally the kiss of death. Instead, you have to always act like it's still overpriced. Even if in that case, I thought it would be maybe a million which would be overpriced. And then the guy says, I want 190000 I still have to act stunned. Like, oh, no, that's too much. So I'd have to like wince and go, oh, okay. Oh, gosh. All right. Because the minute you seem excited on the price, it's okay to be enthusiastic on the RV park. But the minute you're over enthusiastic on the price, you're sending a very serious and deadly signal back to the seller. 
Next thing you want to do is when they're asking too little is to still go through your typical negotiation posture of, well, gosh, that still sounds a little high. Uh, you know, what, what would I have to do to get this deal under contract? You still want to go straight into that typical dance of negotiation that we all know where the seller is high and then you offer a lower number and then you keep going bantering back and forth to settle somewhere in the middle. You don't want to get out of that mode. People like to negotiate. And if you suddenly seem too quick, just, okay, let's sign it up. It sends a signal to them that they haven't been a very good negotiator. And that'll again make them feel bad and want to retract from the deal and reprice and come back again later. So you've still got to go through the regular motions of negotiation, even though on the inside, internally, you're saying, oh my gosh, what a, what, what a crazy number. I can't wait to get this thing tied up. You have, also have to seem constantly beaten down by the seller. Sellers are never really happy unless they feel they really had traded a hard bargain. If you ever watch those shows like American Pickers, where they're out there in a barn trying to buy things from a farmer who's got an old Coca-Cola sign, they'll always try and compliment them by saying things like, boy, you drive a hard bargain. Man, you are a hard negotiator. Because in America, that is deemed to be a really, really good quality. So people like to feel, they feel it a compliment if they are a tough negotiator. So don't deprive your seller of that opportunity. Make it still seem like they're a tough negotiator. Say things constantly like, even as you're bantering back and forth on a price that you know is already too low, say things like, oh gosh, wow, that's, that's more than I had hoped to spend. You really are a hard negotiator. Okay. Because they like that. It strokes their ego. It makes them happy. And why not do it? It doesn't cost you any money to say those kinds of things. So throw out the compliments quickly and tell them what a strong negotiator they are. Also, you've got to move fast. That's the other problem when you have someone who throws out a price that's ridiculously low. You want to negotiate it because you don't want them to think that they underpriced it, but you also don't want it to get away. You know that the next person who calls and they throw out the price, they're going to be all over that person trying to tie it up. So you really don't want to leave until you get it under contract. So one of my favorite routes, shortcuts to get to that moment is simply say, okay, well, what would it take to get this under contract? Let's spare each other the back and forth. You can say one number, I'll say a lower, and we'll just go back and forth and back and forth, splitting the difference nearly every time. Everyone knows the drill. If they would say, I want 500,000, and I say, no, how about 400? And they say, well, how about 450? And you say, well, how about 430? And then maybe we end up at 440. Okay, great, but that takes time. They may want to think about that overnight, talk to their wife, their son, their accountant. You don't have that kind of time because the next person in line that hears that price, they're going to whip out the checkbook. So cut through all that. Give it a little bit at the front. When they throw out the price, oh gosh, that's more than I wanted to pay. Could you go with a lower number? How about like 300 and something? And they say, oh no, I got to get X. Well, then just don't do the next three maneuver steps of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Just go straight to the kill and say, all right, well, what would it take to get this under contract? That cuts through all that time wasting back and forth, which although some people enjoy that form of negotiation, and that's okay if it was priced high or you have more time. In this case, you can't let it get away. You got to get it signed up. 
you don't want to leave and have it still hanging that they're still pondering the final number. You need to get that thing done. And to get that done, it's also extremely important in those types of deals to really focus on bonding. Because if you can't get that thing bought today, if you can't get them to sign the contract, if they say, well, I got to run it by my accountant. I got to think about it. I got to run it by another family member. The problem is every second, someone else may contact them. Or equally importantly, somebody else may say, no, wait, you way underpriced that. That's stupid. And the best way to get deals done with any RV park seller is through bonding. You've got to bond with them. And what is bonding? Bonding is this magical force where the buyer and the seller like each other. And as a result, the seller really wants to help you out. They feel a commitment. And if they said they're going to sell it to you, by heavens, they have to sell it to you because they committed to you that they would sell it to you. Now, how do you get bonding going? Well, bonding really comes a lot from listening. And one of my favorite questions to a seller would be, so how did you come to own this RV park? And the answer will be very long-winded. Who knows how long it'll go on for? You'll learn a lot from it. You'll learn a lot about the seller. You'll learn a lot about the seller's thoughts on this property. But you got to get them to talk. They don't bond when you talk and they just listen. That doesn't do any good. They got to talk and you have to listen. That's how you really get bonding. Beyond that, bonding pretty much comes from the simple fact that we all tend to bond with other people that we have empathy for, that we uh, understand, that we'd like to associate with. So part of it is magical. There's not a lot you can do. But I found the biggest part of bonding is really just to be a good listener. Listen to what they have to say. Form that relationship. That's what's going to offend off the next person who calls. The next person who calls are going to say, oh, well, I already agreed to sell it to this other person. I'm sorry. I'll call you if that doesn't go through. You've got to try and get that kind of relationship tied up. Because when the thing is priced low, you know that the next person in the door is going to be as excited as you are to try and get it and to dislodge you as the buyer. And the bonding is what will save you. The bottom line is that it's not all the time that RV park owners underprice their asset but it does happen more times than you would imagine. And when it does occur, make sure you don't mess it up. Pretend like it's still a high price. Give them the ability to beat you down in negotiating, but strike a deal quick and use as much bonding as you can to secure that transaction. This is Frank Roth, the RV Park Mastery Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the RV Park Mastery Podcast. Be sure to visit us at www.rvparkmastery.com, where you can learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate in RV parks.